Start talking? Yeah. I, Claim Lyman Kennedy, consent to being recorded for the purpose of the oral history project for ethnic studies of Roseville High School. I understand that other students will listen to my story. Uh, can you tell me your name, your age, and basically who you are? Uh, Claim Lyman Kennedy, Sr., born in... 1957 and I'm 64 years old. All right. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up right here in North Highlands, California. We only lived in two different houses. I graduated from Highlands High School. Then I joined the Army. Oh, I went to college at BYU for a semester or so. I uh, joined the Army and saw the world for 22 years. Then I came back to California or North Highlands to take care of my mom. Uh, why did you decide to join the Army? My grandfather was in the National Guard. My dad always told stories at the dinner table about the military. He wanted to join, but he had an accident when he was a, child, uh, a teenager. He lost an eye and part of his arm. So he couldn't join the military, but I did. Um, uh, how many places did it take you? Uh, three, Korea for three and a half years, uh, of which I competed against military boards and all. Uh, one. The, the soldier of the quarter board for all of Eighth Army, which was basically Korea. You just got to memorize a bunch of military questions and regurgitate it. And they like that. <laughs> so I can do those. Uh, then I went to Maryland for about 15 months. Yeah, then I went to Germany for, I believe, six years. I was in Heidelberg, Germany as a criminal investigator uh, for CID. Then I went, you got to be a special person to be a cop. I, I just, uh, the seven autopsies, the, the baby that had died of SIDS, kind of affected me. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to be this kind of person. Special person to be a cop. And it just wasn't me at the time because, I mean, I was. I grew up, I was an Eagle Scout. I was in band. I mean, I, I was the geek. <laughs> Their type thing is everybody picks on bullies. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's hard work. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it was and everything. Um, but then the Army put me into field artillery repair, which was up in Kitsigan. And uh, driving the German Autobahns was fun. There's no speed limit. That's nice. You can drive 100 miles plus an hour as long as you got a good car. Bad part, I mean, it, it, the American cars are not made for speed like that for any time. So if you're on the Autobahn, you might get passed by a Volkswagen bus. You know. What was your What was your favorite part about being in the military? The travel, the seeing. I, I love history. I always did, and, and growing up in history class was my favorite subject. And Europe is history. I saw, uh, well, Berlin, Paris, Rome, Venice. Uh, Venice isn't the capital. Uh, London, Dublin. Where are the capitals? Bonn. 
and Berlin, excuse me, Bonn was the capital of West Germany at the time. I, I was there the second time when the wall fell. What was that like? It was rather interesting because for 40 something years, all the people over there had never been able to travel. They didn't, on that, that side of the border, communist side, they didn't have freedoms to travel. They had, they were completely regulated as to, okay, I want to go to the next town or I want to go visit this festival. No, you couldn't. You had to have special permission to travel any distance. And the border, for those people who thought they were trying to get across later, um, in sections of the border, not in, not in Berlin City in itself, but on the border, the, the country, they call it the Iron Curtain, there was huge areas of white sand. And then there were towers, like, well, there were guard towers like you see in a prison, the yeah. glass, and that guy's looking out all over the place, uh, looking in, okay? But their official thing was, we're keeping the West Germans out and the Americans out, okay? But all the barbed wire was pointing the other direction, so the people couldn't scale the fence. White sand, minefields. Oh. Dog runs, guard towers, uh, mines on top of the wire, and that, that was all on their side coming up to the fence. And, uh, and on, quote-unquote, our side of the fence, uh, nothing but the 2nd ACR armored cavalry unit uh, patrolling. They just rode the vehicles and watched to make sure that if anyone was coming over and that nothing was going on funny. I never did. So, but with as many vehicles and uh, armored vehicles that the Russians and German or East Germans and everybody had over there, uh, we were that's fold a gap as they call it was a low flat area, mountains on other sides, and if you were going to have an attack, that would have been where they were to come through with their tanks. Easy, it would have been a speed bump. You weren't going to stop that many. Oof thing the, the the numbers without a nuclear weapons and that was kind of out of the question but we did have them. had two clear tactical nuclear weapons either fired from a, a lance missile uh, which was a rocket small version of a v2 <laughs> if you want to think about it and then of course the uh, eight inch howitzer unit and the reason it's called eight inches, it is eight inches in diameter, and it could carry a nuclear warhead if it needed to be. Luckily, never had to. Very luckily. No. I don't know if they would have used it or not. I'm just glad they never had to even question it. Never, never came to it. Yeah. Um, I was a mechanic there with them, the field artillery, and then I. Uh, they were deactivating all of the old military stuff about the time the first Gulf War started and I went back to the States to go to a different school for what they call third shop maintenance mechanics that's the next level up from the guys who are on the ground actually with the mechanics when the guns um, then uh, I did that for a while and went back to Germany 
after, oh, excuse me. I was in Georgia for about four years. I deployed to Costa Rica, uh, Somalia, and Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew, what was the... It was, oh, oh this is the one time that it, it really felt nice. Uh, because as, as you heard the other one, Costa Rica, we went to another country and helped those people. Yeah. Uh, we The mechanics were supporting the engineer unit that was improving roads, building, improving bridges, improving them, and building schools. And improving some of the schools that were down there for the Costa Rica people and government. And, of course, Somalia, we went there to help the people that were uh, humanitarian aid and stuff, and well, then they got stupid, and the politicians got you know, politicians got into it and said we are going to uh, country build or help them build a country. Uh, they're a tribal society, not national, so they are the people there were more uh, loyal to their quote-unquote what they call them warlords we call them warlords they're tribal leaders yeah. there was no central government that's why it fell so quickly um then back to it but costa rica or for uh, hurricane andrew that was kind of nice because the hurricane came through uh homestead florida and just flattened everything so in 150 hours, the military, after getting the word, 10th Mountain Division, several other East Coast military bases, in 150 hours, they had packed everything up, gone down to Homestead, Florida, and were on the ground providing support and engineer equipment to clear the roads, put in the, you know, medical, food, water, everything. And the military, we have kids' birthdays, anniversaries, special occasions, you know, other things that are all going. We got to drop all those and go help wherever it has to in the world to pick up and deploy. Yeah. And they did that very well with, as they said, 150 hours. But nobody really knows. That was the good part. We were able to help Americans. And they were very appreciative which made us feel good too. Most of the time, everybody in the other parts of the world, Somalia, well, Costa Rica, but Somalia, hey, you're here, hey, thank you. Okay, you gave us enough food, we're not dying all the time, the roads are okay, the aid is coming in, now get out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, we didn't, so then they started shooting and killing us. So, yeah, now, what, now <laughs> what would you say would be the hardest part about being in the military for you? I was extremely lucky. I never had, unless it was a small deployment of six to eight months, to be away from my family. Korea, normally for everybody else, is a uh, unaccompanied tour, which means you can't bring your family. And then the guys that are combat arms during a, the Cold War, they had to be on heightened alert. So they were always doing training three, four times a year, they would go and do train and they were separated from their families. 
And then, of course, you're in Germany and any other family that you have, mothers, brothers, sisters, things like that, they're in the States. You're overseas. And if you were single, you were in the barracks. But if you, you were married and of a higher rank, you could bring your family. Other ones didn't get that opportunity. So I guess separation from families would probably be the hardest one. Yeah, but that sounds I understand tough. nowadays uh, things are much more improved with better communication. A little laptop right there. You can have a Skype video chat thing, whatever you want to call it, with your family. <laughs> it makes things when, yeah, when, yeah, it's when, a lot when easier. I was there, you had to schedule a telephone call from Germany to the States, and it costs a lot of money. So you you only got to maybe call on a birthday to your mom or your wife, an anniversary, something with the kids, if that was your family was separated from you, or, or you know, Mother's Day or something like that. The holidays and things, separations. So when did you move to Roseville? I met Tony. How'd you meet Tony? Um, I was working hazardous waste at the time. Um, that was one of the things. Oh, when I was in Georgia, the environmental compliance, hazardous waste cleanups and things, were becoming a really big thing. That was late 80s. Uh, and the government was going to, you know, you had to make sure that they were telling everybody else, companies and everything else, you had to clean up. Uh, you can't, you know, dump toxic poisons into the rivers and whatever or pollute the air. And, and the government had to do the same thing, comply. So I went to schools they sent me to it and i was an environmental nco as they call it and i learned a lot about how to safely handle and do things with the hazardous waste so that when i got out of the army and retired there was a college degree offered at consumnus river college for environmental compliance and I completed that two-year college degree there and then started working for uh, local companies. Yeah. So those skills that you learned waste. in the military translated. Uh, yeah, finally. Most yeah. of them are. <laughs> most, yeah, most of them are a little yeah. bit outside yeah, I, of... Yeah, I tell uh, some, some kids when they want to know about the military, I says, make sure you find one that can correspond computer system. Uh, combat i mean unless you're going to be a professional killer uh infantry is not going to make it or armor okay no yeah um you gotta have jobs they're gonna have those too but that's why they get bonus money throughout your whole life what would you say are the most uh important lessons that you've been able to learn well my parents always taught me that your name matters when people wanted to ask what was going on I said, yeah okay i was an uncommissioned officer so that mattered too because my word and integrity meant a lot but i learned that from my parents and growing up that your name your integrity your word is a lot and i projected and put that into um as a leader to to do with my soldiers Always 
tried to make sure if I was going to tell them something, I was going to do it. I was working something out for awards or anything for the support, I would do it, take care of them, uh, responsibilities. Uh, if you could leave off on anything for anyone who might be listening, what would it be? Oh. I think you guys are putting it family, duty, honor, country. Something like that. You get, you know, your family. Oh, excuse me. And you've got to put God in there, too, if you're, if you're religious at all. That's great. Thank you so all much right. for your time. Okay. All right. And.